0: The following audio is from the memorial service of Marvin Pendergrass. Musical selections have been omitted due to copyright laws.
1: On behalf of the family, I want to welcome you to this celebration of the life of Marvin Pendergrass. They thank you most of all for your presence here today, for your many acts of kindness in this time of gathering together and celebrating. In a moment, Haley, Marvin's granddaughter, is going to come up and read from 1 Corinthians 13. We'll hear from Tim Schwander on the new 23rd, and uh, Jimmy Pendergrass, uh, excuse me, Jimmy Pinner, a lot of peas. <laughs> <laughs> will be leading us in worship. Before PD, Marvin's uh, son-in-law comes forward to read the obituary, Chris Connett, will be leading us in some family words before the eulogy. Haley, would you come?
0: So, hello, my name is Haley. I am one of six grandkids. So, I will be reading 1 Corinthians uh, 4 through 8, 12 and 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, it does not brag, it is not proud, Love is not rude. It is not selfish. It does not. It is not upset. Is not upset. Uh, love does not count up wrongs that have been done. Um, love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love patiently accepts all things, and always trusts, always allows hope, and always endures. And love never ends. It is the same with us. Now we see a dim reflection as we were looking into a mirror. But then we shall see clearly. Now I know only a part, but then I will know fully as God knows me. So these three things continue forever. Faith, hope, and love. And these are the greatest of love. Um, I spent the last couple of days trying to take the scripture apart and figure out why it was one of his favorite scriptures. And... uh, Last night, it really hit me. It was his favorite because he loved endlessly. He loved every one of you, and he would do anything for anybody. And this was a constant reminder for him daily through his ups and downs to love endlessly and fearlessly.
2: Marvin King Pendergrass, or as some called him, Marvin King, took his final train ride on Wednesday, November 6, 2019 departing his station here on earth with a heavenly destination in store. Without a doubt, the first people to greet him on the platform were his mom and dad, Tom and Barbara Pendergrass. Marvin was born April 22, 1953 in Long Beach, California, which led to his love for the beach, ocean, and all things underwater. He met the love of his life, Mary Loftus, in 1969 at El Porvenir Christian Camp, and they married in 1972. After moves to Inglewood, California and Gallup, New Mexico, they eventually settled in Albuquerque in 1987 with their three daughters, Jennifer, Holly, and Amanda. Marvin loved the outdoors, hiking, kayaking, snorkeling. He was the absolute best tour guide. Although many of his adventures involved minor injuries or loss of important electronic devices, We have no doubt that he is currently finding uncharted trails and kayaking routes in heaven, or he's just making it up as he goes. (laughs) Marvin was also very fond of trains. His office was full of train memorabilia. He enjoyed chasing trains and he spent his entire career at Amtrak. Many of his vacations included or centered around the trains that were in the vicinity, much to the chagrin of his immediate family. (laughs) Many of his grandkids' favorite memories involved riding the train or finding spots in the Rockies to watch a steam engine coming through the mountains. The most important decision Marvin ever made came when he was nine years old. He made Christ his Lord and Savior. That single decision impacted every area of his life. As Christ took over as his lead engineer, he loved the Lord and served him in whatever capacity he could at work, in the community, in this church, or even in his family. He was an amazing servant for God and his faith was evident in all those he came across. He was a great man who made significant impact on those he knew. He survived by his wife, Mary, his three daughters, Jennifer Condit, husband Chris, Holly Colson, and husband Chris. Amanda Stoddard and husband Petey, a sister, Paula Babbick, and husband David, six grandchildren, two kayaking-loving dogs, Molly and Minnie, and many other friends and family. Papa, Poppy, find up some good trails and new kayak rivers. Can't wait to join you on the next adventure.
3: Glad you cried first, PD, because I can call you a baby for the rest of our lives. On behalf of uh, our family, I just want to say thank you for um, serving us. The, uh, the last few weeks, it's been beautiful to see the body of Christ um, ministering to our family and, and uh, being there for us. Um, thank you for that. Thanks for the cards, the gifts, the meals, and uh, a lot of chicken. Um, <laughs> a lot of chicken. <laughs> today's uh, obviously a tough day for our family. In the last few months, have been hard to see cancer um, take away someone we love. But um, today's a day of celebration. We know we know where he's at, and. Uh, We can celebrate because of that. Um, We can celebrate his love for Hawaiian shirts, some of them a little more gaudy than others. (laughs) Don't look at me. (laughs) So, while we mourn and shed some tears today, um, we really do want to celebrate and we want to laugh about Marvin. Because if you know Marvin, there's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of humor involved in the occasional life or death situation. Marvin, a.k.a. Papa, Poppy, Uncle Marvin, mine, or that train guy. He had a lot of different titles, so you can insert yours here. He was a great man, and he had an amazing impact uh, on all of our lives. Someone once said this. Carve your name on hearts, not tombstones. A legacy is etched into the minds of others and the stories that they share about you. Marvin etched himself into our hearts, and so I'd like to tell you a few stories about the legacy that he left us. On September 17, 1994, almost 25 years ago, I stood almost in this exact spot, and Papa Pendergrass was standing up here with me, as I watched Marvin march down the most beautiful woman in the world, and I accepted Marvin and Mary as my in-laws. Oh, I also married my wife that day. <laughs> and as uh, Papa asked Marvin, who gives this man to be married to this woman, and or this woman to be married to this man, whatever order that is, um, he said her mother and I do, he kissed her on the cheek and as he leaned in, he uh, whispered these intimate, intimate words into my ear, no returns. <laughs> I confirmed it with Chris and PD and, and they got the same treatment, whether it was, whether it was at the altar or beforehand. And here's the thing, we talked about it, he was, he was serious, we've all tried, and... <laughs> just kidding. He was the best father-in-law you could ever have. He, uh, he was amazing. Um, you know, in culture, we have all these jokes about in-laws, and we didn't have that problem in our family. I don't think we ever worried about um, our in-laws coming into town. We hit the jackpot with Marvin and Mary Um, I learned very early on how to appease him whenever I was at his house. Uh, First Christmas, it's cold. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to turn up the thermostat. And as I made my way, uh, because hypothermia was starting to set in to my fingertips, made my way to the thermostat, I got this cold, steely gaze from behind that was like the force in Star Wars telling me, walk on by the thermostat and get yourself another sweater. (laughs) You didn't mess with this thermostat. That's how you got along with him. I don't know who um, Marvin disgruntled in heaven, um, but apparently he got on someone's bad side because he gave this guy who had three daughters and knew nothing about sports, three incredibly sports-loving son-in-laws. And um, whether Chris is watching his beloved Boston Red Sox or PD is glued to his Michigan Wolverines or I'm yelling at the TV screen at my Oklahoma Sooners, uh, Marvin learned to put up with our excessive celebrations and, at least in my case, a lot of sulking um, whenever we lost. But Marvin eventually embraced it, and uh, he would come in and he actually would start asking questions about our teams and know the colors and know what they, you know, what sport they were playing. And he didn't ask questions like what inning the football game is in or, do the Dallas Cowboys? Is that a professional team or a college team? Like you know, he just he he learned it and. Uh, and it passed on to Mary, mom now. She knows team colors. Last week, she was like, hey, that's the, yeah, the Vikings, they're purple, right? And we're like, yes, this is awesome. Um, I'm a big Astros fan, uh, baseball team. They were in the World Series this year, and um, unfortunately, over these last few weeks, we've spent some time in rehab centers and hospitals with Marvin, and so one night the World Series was on. Uh, I didn't want to try to ask him to turn on his TV to watch the game, so I'm trying to discreetly follow it on my phone, and when he realized what was going on, at this point, he he really couldn't talk a whole lot, he couldn't say a whole lot, he started kind of fumbling around, and Jennifer and I were like, what what are you you looking for, Marvin, and we're trying to give him stuff, and we finally got the remote to him, and he flipped on the TV and uh, turned it to the World Series game, Um, so I could sit and watch it, he knew that... uh, He knew my team was playing, and it was just one of those moments that's going to stand out for me, of him watching out for me while he was there on his hospital bed. If you um, knew Marvin, you knew that he absolutely loved Mary. But if there was anything that caught his attention or his eye, occasionally it was something with shiny wheels, a locomotive, and a cute back end. I mean, caboose. Um... (laughs) He, he had a love affair with trains. Um, he loved trains. Uh, his papa taught him that, and it just carried on, led to him working for Amtrak, Amtrak his whole life. I remember in 1997, my wife and I got called to this little town called Altoona, Pennsylvania. We had never heard of Altoona, Pennsylvania, And uh, so I'm looking it up and trying to find out all this information about it, and so we call Marvin and Mary and say, hey, guess what, we're moving from Houston to Altoona, and I mean, Marvin was like, it was like Christmas morning for him, he was like, Altoona? do you know where Altoona is? And I'm like, no, actually I don't. Would you (laughs) tell me? And he says, well, Altoona, and he starts describing all these things about Altoona. Altoona is this like railroad uh, central place in in Pennsylvania that railroads were were, uh, made there or or train cars were made there. And uh, there was a thing called the Horseshoe Curve there that is this like, you know, engineering marvel that slingshots the trains to the mountains. He's like telling me all this stuff on the phone. And I'm like, do you, do you want to move to Altoona with me, Marvin? I mean, it sounds like you're more excited about this than, than I am. Uh, he said, you know, they have a rail fest there every year. I said, no, I didn't know that. I guess you're going to be coming to visit me quite often, and he did. The first year, he said, uh, I need to be there for rail fest, and he came to rail fest, and Amanda was like in, I don't know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, somewhere, maybe middle school, high school, and um My wife was smart enough to get out of it. I think we had a young kid, and she was like, you know, i got to stay here at the house and watch the young ones, so why don't you and Amanda go with Papa and uh, and Dad? And uh, we ended up walking through like a two-mile-long Railroad car. It wasn't a museum. It was actually the train car, the place where they built the cars and stuff. They had it all set up for all these train buffs to walk through. (laughs) And Amanda and I are like, "This is going to take all day long." Like we, we were like, "There's no way." So Amanda and I like zipped through it. And uh, I'm a you know big sports fan. I saw this TV, and and when you walked in, you kind of walked in where the where the Exit was so you walked in and you'd go all the way down and back around. We I saw that the that the football game was on. It was a Sunday afternoon and so like I'm like hey I'm just high tailing it through this thing and I did made it through it like in five minutes. Got to the end and sat there and watched the football game. We sat there and waited for uh, Marvin and his dad to come through and they didn't even wonder about where we were. They were so entranced with the train. Um, as PD mentioned in the obituary, every every time we went to Chama or Colorado. Uh, it would turn into a chain tracing, uh, chain tracing, I ch- can't even say it, train chasing event. Um, watching the Cumber's and Toltec, uh, train come through and, and, chasing it down to certain points. And I think, uh, I know every time we saw a train, every time we were visiting somewhere and we'd see a train, Jen's like, get a picture, get a picture, send it to dad, get a picture, send it to dad. And, um, I know moving forward, uh, every time we see a train, um, it's going to remind us of Marvin. Marvin loved the outdoors, um, loved being around the ocean, he loved kayaking, he loved hiking. Um, That's why we have his kayak up here. Um, He had a special spot on the front. We didn't bring the carpet, but there was a special little carpeted piece he had that Molly or or Minnie could jump onto and ride down the rivers with us. As many phones as we lost in the river, I'm surprised that the dogs made it um, as much as they did. He hiked... uh, I know that some of you in this room hiked with him. He hiked like all kinds of peaks here in New Mexico. Chris went with him on many of those of those hikes. He loved taking grandkids and, and their friends on tours around the local places around the area, lava tubes and tent rocks. Uh, two years ago, Jen and I came into town and he was so excited to take us down the Rio Grande. He found this new spot to jump in at and uh we we did the night before he's on the internet like checking out all the uh like levels of water like i didn't even know you could check all this stuff out but he's on there just checking everything he calls me on the phone are you ready man it's gonna be so awesome tomorrow it's gonna be like the highest whatever water levels it's gonna be and like it's never been that high before and i mean he was just always always so excited about um doing those tours and and going hiking or taking us kayaking or whatever it may be one one of my favorite adventures Um, was maybe the first or second Christmas after Jen and I were married Uh, We came into town, a huge snowstorm hit Albuquerque, and of course, when I say that, it was like a few inches here in Albuquerque, but on the side of the mountain, it was like, you know, eight feet, okay, over there on the other side, and so we get up that day, and Marvin and Jennifer, Holly, Amanda, and cousins uh, all were like, hey, we need to go get some inner tubes, we need to go sledding, you know, find a place to go tubing, and so uh, Marvin rounded up all these inner tubes, we jump in a couple of vehicles, we head out through the mountains to the other side, we found multiple places to go tubing. Uh, We all had, uh, or a couple of us had video cameras. This is before cell phones, so we didn't, we we weren't able to do that, but we had video cameras, so we're shooting video of us all sledding down different places, tubing down these hills, and then um, one of us had the great idea. I'm sure it was Marvin had this great idea. Hey, why don't, um, I think Ryan or Chris Loftus had their truck there, and we're like, why don't we tie ropes on the back of the truck, different lengths, and we'll tie them to the inner tubes, and then we'll pull, uh, you know, pull the kids up and down the mountain, side, the mountain road, okay? We're on the other side of the mountain. It's like you know, all the snow. So we're like, we're like doing this, and um, they're, you know, whoever's in the back of the truck's got the video camera shooting all this video of us sliding around. And then at one point, uh, I'm in the, like the longest rope, so I'm like you know, way behind, and uh, we go around this turn, and I'm like slingshotting around the side, and then I kind of go, there's a mountain we're on. And as I'm slingshotting across, I'm getting closer and closer to that edge. And if those of you have driven up there, there's not a lot of, like, guardrails up there. Like, it's just kind of like, you know, free-for-all. And, like, at one point I did, I started kind of digging into the road with my fingers. Like, like I'm getting a little (laughs) close to the edge here. And, uh, fortunately, we didn't lose anybody that day. But um, we got back to the house, and we're showing all this video, and Grammy's sitting there on the, couch watching it and then we get to the video of us slingshotting around the corners and like Mary's face just like dropped her jaw like hit the floor and we're all like Marvin was the one who (laughs) he was in charge that was one of the best days of my life even if it wasn't Grammy approved but marvin had a lot of gra- non grammy approved moments <laughs> and i get up on the highest peak i can and uh, <laughs> go no hands <laughs> she's shaking her head right now <laughs> chris has told us a story about them hiking and he like climbed down this spot where like nobody could get down to and he's like what are you doing down there just having my lunch just down here eating my lunch so Every uh, every summer, this last 15 years, our family's been able to go to Chama. Pat and Mitzi have opened up their cabin to us to cruise the lake. Sometimes get caught in the middle of storms in the middle of that lake. Um, cliff jumping, which Amanda did first, I'll give you the kudos. I was a big chicken that day. I wasn't a chicken after I saw her do it. I had to I had to jump after that. So. A lot of four-wheeling, some really good, scary stories around the campfire, which Marvin was awesome at, and PD. It's always going to be a highlight of my life, and uh, going to miss him not being there with us. Marvin could do just about anything. Um, he was really a Mr. Fix-It kind of guy. Well, I don't know. Now that we've torn the garage apart. He was really more of a tear it apart kind of guy. (laughs) Maybe not so much a fix it kind of guy. (laughs) There's a lot of things torn apart in that garage and shed. (laughs) Um, I can't tell you how many times I called him to ask how to fix this plumbing issue or I got a lighting issue. I need to do this. What do I do? He came over to our house to help install wood floors. I kind of feel bad for him. I think every time he came on vacation to any one of our houses, he did some project. We're like, oh, yes, Marvin's here. Let's put him to work. (laughs) And Mary's like, my house, my house is not being taken care of, but everyone else's is. (laughs) He loved taking care of people. When we moved into our house about five years ago, um, we had this weird situation in our garage we had a we had a pull down garage door that was up at the front of the garage but where they placed it um like there was a there was space up there but when you pulled the garage door down um there was no space for anything else so you couldn't have any storage in there and so i was like man that's the only thing i don't like about this he goes well let's just move it and i shouldn't have been surprised like that marvin would know how to cut a garage door attic door out of the ceiling and move it and so uh i'm like okay let well, let's Let's do it. And so we start working on this. He gets a sawzall and he starts cutting, and I'm just standing there like, what, Tell me what to do. He's like, Just, just, it's all good. I got this, I got this. And so I'm trying to help, but I'm just watching, and we get this thing moved out. We, we sawzall another hole to put it into. And um, at one point, we're getting it installed back into the new spot, right? And so he's like, Okay, why don't you get up here on the ladder and get up in the attic? If you'll hold it, like, I'll get onto the, you know, I'll pull the door down, we'll, we'll get on there, and I'll screw it in so that it's stabilized. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm up in the attic, and I'm like holding the, the attic door in place, and he pulls the door down and starts to stand on it. In my mind, I'm like, it's not installed into the beams yet. So like, I'm thinking that this is not a smart thing to do but I trust Marvin, he knows what he's doing, right? And so I'm standing up there holding the door in place and he gets onto the ladder and he takes one step onto that drop down attic door. And if you know anything about those attic doors, those springs are like, I mean, they are super loaded, right? And so he takes a step on that thing. And remember, my view is just like, you know, I'm looking out this three foot by two foot space. I just see Marvin step on it and then I see Marvin gone. And I'm like, what just happened? That spring-loaded door just shot him like a rocket, and he was out of my sight. He's gone. I'm like, Marvin, Marvin, and I'm like leaning down trying to see if I can see him. Um, fortunately, we were, we were moving into this house. We had all these cardboard boxes and blankets and stuff over to the side, so he kind of had a soft landing spot. He's laying over there. He's got like a cut and a couple of bruises. He's bleeding a little bit. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm like, oh no. And Marvin, Mary and Jennifer come running out like, what happened? I'm like, well, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> probably, probably wasn't very smart of us to be doing this. So every time I uh, open up the garage door and pull down that attic door, all I can see is Marvin shooting across the attic or the the the, uh, garage. Um, He was also from that generation that didn't throw things away. Um, This past summer Jennifer and I were over there and I know uh, Amanda and and Holly and their husbands helped out over the summer cleaning out the backyard of his house. Um, Like six or seven truckloads into cleaning out the backyard and the shed of his house. Like on the third trip he looks at me and he's like I'm sorry. I don't know why I kept all this stuff. (laughs) And we just all laughed about it. Um, Here's what I think. I think he saw value in everything. And he thought everything had a purpose and could be repurposed. And I think that's the way he viewed people too. He thought everybody had a purpose. Everything could be reused. We're all part of God's masterpiece. And so let's treat him that way. Marvin loved his family. He and Mary had 48 wonderful years together. I know he loved being a dad to Jennifer and Holly and Amanda. He took his son-in-laws in in as his own kids. He loved us all. He loved his grandkids going to swim meets, baseball games, soccer matches, band presentations, much, much more. But the truth is that uh, if you're not necessarily blood family sitting in this room, you probably felt like you were part of his family. He loved everyone unconditionally. He had no filters when it came to accepting others, and that was just Marvin. I think it shows by the turnout that's here today. Marvin's greatest legacy is one that was passed down to him by his parents, and that was his faith. Um, He was a preacher's kid, and faith was forever a part of his life. Um, We've been going through some things and found all kinds of notes and things in his Bible that just showed his pursuit and passion for the Lord and seeking after God. Um, every Christmas, I remember when, when we first got married and were visiting, he'd read the Christmas story from Luke chapter two before we did anything else. He's been a member here at First Christian for well over 35 years, led in just about every way possible. Um, elder, building sets, leading worship, teaching kids, dressing up as whatever character the, the VBS needed him to dress up as for that year. He loved God and it showed in his love and his genuine care for others. When I think about Matthew chapter five in the words of Jesus telling us to be the light of the world, I think of Marvin. Every person who came into contact with him knew who God was. They knew who Jesus was. PD used the words um, silent giant to describe him and I think that fits him so well. His desire to serve and love others allowed him to leave a large imprint on so many people's lives. And underneath that, his humility drove him to do it quietly and in the background. So God, I thank you for dad. Thank you for the incredible example of a loving husband, father, poppy, papa, father-in-law, follower of Christ, whatever role he played to you grateful to God for that and I thank God for him showing us what's most important in this life somebody who really loved God and loved others and he did that so well he lived an amazing life and it was a blessing to all of us he inspired us to be all that God created us to be and so dad as you enter into the heavenly realms I think about the words of Timothy, you have fought the good fight. You finished the race. You kept the faith. So go enjoy your heavenly reward. Find us some good trails. Check out the best kayaking spots because many of us are ready for a guided tour the next time we see you. Love you, Dad.
1: Marvin King Pendergrass has a great family and is a great man and it's amazing he lived this long. (laughs) It is well established now how much he loves trains and how much he has served with Amtrak for his entire career. It's well established by his kayak, by how we're all dressed, that he loves the outdoors that he was willing to take take on any adventure and go on any trip, hiking, kayaking, camping. All of that is well established. He did a lot of church growing up as a preacher's kid, like me. Being an elder here at First Christian. Snorkeling in the baptistry. (laughs) Not this baptistry, at Ridgecrest where he served cleaning for a time. He did a lot in church, launching his own mini hot air balloon inside of a sanctuary. But really and truly, late in his life, the thing that he had done for so long, of visiting shut-ins, serving communion to those who could not come, he had those roles flipped where people came to visit him, and that was just strange. But what we have from Marvin is the overflow of his life, where if you look at his family, and if you look at him, you see love. If you leaf through his Bible, you see his notes and his lessons on Amtrak stationery about loving God. And loving others. You see where he's highlighted, not just in a few places, but all through Scripture. Messages of unconditional love. Of God's grace. This is a man who those outside of his family see as genuine. And good. And hardworking. And willing to get in there right with you. And work. When he was diagnosed, he began to do even more to maximize his time with his girls and with his grandkids. He began to feel bad about all those projects that he wasn't able to do at home, and the family and others rallied around him. This man is a provider and cared very deeply about his family and about people of all kinds, even those who worked against him. Even those who worked against him, he took care of. Was a man of his word, committed. In fact, one story was shared on one of those icy days when he was headed on a sliding vehicle towards a semi-truck and his only way out to keep from probably dying was to dive into the floorboard of his vehicle as it was raised, the top of it, by the semi-truck. So what does Marvin do? He goes home, he gets the other vehicle, and he goes to work. People that are trained people know about time, and they know about going somewhere and consistency and being reliable and dependable, and that is Marvin Pendergrass. He didn't think of himself as a leader. If you asked him, he wouldn't say that. But everyone around him saw him as a humble servant. They would go to him for advice. They would seek his input because his example shouted much louder than any words could. One of the passages he highlights is one you know. I'm going to call out several here. Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's Marvin. If we're honest, this is not where we want to be. We don't want to be sitting here talking about death on a day like this. This is not the trip that any of us signed up for, This is not the adventure that we want. So where are we? We're here. And I want you to know that it's okay to grieve. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to raise a few questions and to maybe beg a little bit from God. It's okay to enter the reality of what this means. It's okay to be sad. It's also okay to realize that life's going to be a little different It's going to be changed going forward. It will feel weird as the trains keep moving, but we're missing someone that we love so dearly. And that, too, is okay. It gives us a chance to think about where we're going, to reflect on our own life, to think about who we are before God and before others. In fact, at times like this when I'm really frustrated with God, I'm asking the question of where is God, and I just want us all to know that death is not God's plan. This is not what he's after. It's not his goal. In fact, death ends up being a workaround plan, an opportunity for us to grow and change. In fact, death became something that God entered and broke through to the other side to let us know that it's not the final Period in the story. It is not the end. We live through death. Well, as for Marvin, here in the kayak, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what Paul told us. For a while now, we've been dealing with Marvin's body changing as his perishable body begins to go away. And he begins to move into what is imperishable, his glorified body, for what is next for him. And that's been a difficult and painful thing to watch, but now it is complete. That transition has taken place. The passage I want to draw us to is First John 3, that tells us something about where Marvin is and where we're going. There's something about the love of God as well. 1 John 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are, all of us. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be, has not yet been made known to us. But we do know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. That's where Marvin is now. Marvin has taken on his glorified body. For us, we live in the not yet. We wait You know, we've been pointing to Marvin's love. And in his Bible is this poem that I think does a great job of pointing to the love of God. It points us beyond Marvin to God's work. It's called Your Love. Here's what Marvin writes. We are our parents' child, a product of their love for one another. But it is your love that formed us through them. Our families provide for our needs as we grow, but it is your love that blesses the provision. The loving guidance of our own parents sees us to maturity, but your love matures us in you. The love of a spouse fulfills us for all of our days but only your love makes it complete. The love for our children is truly made joyous when they feel your love through us. And when we survey the life that you have blessed us with, we can only find true peace and satisfaction in it when we believe that it is all the result of your love for us. You are love, writes Marvin. You know, his poem, his profound words point beyond any love of his own, any ability inside of him to it being the work of God in his life. Marvin leads us and points us to God. That's a good place to be. It's a good place to go. Marvin's life shows that God was not only the leader of his life, but the leader of his family. One final passage from Psalm, marked in his Bible. I'll read just a portion of this Psalm. Psalm 103. Hear these words. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions. As a father has compassion on those who fear him, he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But, but, from everlasting to everlasting is the Lord's love with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children, And their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts, the Lord establishes his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. I thank God for Marvin. I thank God for a man who lives behind the scenes, serving in so many ways with Amtrak and with his family. A man who probably, probably was a lot like the tracks that he spent a lot of time over. You don't notice them, but they're taking you somewhere. They're leading you off to the next destination, very much like God, taking you where you could not go alone. And Marvin is on this trip out ahead of us, charting trails, following God, scouting out what's next to explore the life ahead. As we pray, I'm going to use Marvin's words one last time before closing us in prayer. We'll be able to see a video, of photos after this. But these are Marvin's handwritten, handwritten prayer. Just a few lines. Let's pray. Oh God, we are but travelers, only pilgrims on our journey through life, Knowing that our final destiny is with God, we keep our sight always fixed, not just on the appearances of this life, but on the fact that we were created by God and that we cannot be truly happy unless we live as God wishes us to live, that our destiny is eternal life and not just death. God, thank you for Marvin's words. Thank you even more for what he didn't say, what he showed us by his life. Thank you for how his work goes on with him in a new place. And I pray that you will come close, that your presence will be strong with this family, with this church, and with this community that grieves the loss of a great silent leader. And we offer this prayer knowing that you will provide an answer. That you will provide your promised presence through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.